welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would please open up your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 2. And I want to show you some, some things today that we've been discussing for some time now. This is our eighth week in talking about church, the Father's business. And the Lord's been giving us some amazing revelation about what the local church is all about. I know man has a view of what the local church is all about, and then God has a view of what the local church is all about. And you can tell how powerful something is a lot of times by how much opposition there is against it. I mean, things that are not a threat to the enemy, he's not going to waste ammo on. There's two things that Jesus initiated and established in the earth. Number one, of the family. And how many of you know there's opposition against the family? Not opposition that you can't overcome. It's just you need to be hooked up with God and going to church and reading your Bible so you have what you need to overcome those sly, deceptive attacks of the enemy. But number two, the Lord established local churches. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They don't see that, but it's in the Bible. And a lot of people don't feel like it's that important, but since when does feel like tell us what to do? I mean, there's a lot of times you're not going to feel like doing what the Lord wants you to do. And that's why the Bible says, crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. Why would you have to do that if it was always going the right way? <laughs> right? And so we're going to talk some more about that. And I just want you to pray with me. Father, as we look into your word these next few minutes, show us more. Quicken us by your spirit. Bring us up. Prepare us for the days ahead. Show us our part in your kingdom. Help us to see the things that make a difference in our lives. Make us a blessing because of what we get today, Father. We're asking you for your help. We ask you to help us to be doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you there in Luke chapter 2? Well, I'm going to show you a couple scriptures here. You've seen some of these already, but there's revelation here that if we don't go over it, it might slip. In Luke chapter 2, this is when Jesus stayed behind and his parents and all his family left town and the parents didn't know it. So they're like freaking out. Where's our 12-year-old boy? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? They're looking all around and they, for three days they can't find their 12-year-old boy. This is Jesus. I mean, they're, they're concerned here. They're like, all right, what's going on? So they turn back to Jerusalem, and it says in verse 46, And it came to pass that after three days they, Joseph and Mary, found him, Jesus, in the temple. Can I just ask a question? Where is Jesus when you need him? <laughs> well, you'll find him in the local church because he established the local church. Um, We'll talk some more about that in just a second. But notice it said, they found him in the temple, or in the church, we could say, sitting in the middle of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. He's 12 years old. I said he's 12 years old. 
And when they saw him, when Mary and Joseph saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you thus dealt with us? Why have you treated us this way? Behold, check it out, man. Your father and I have been looking for you, sorrowing. And Jesus said unto his mommy and daddy, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they, Joseph and Mary, did not understand him what he just said. I must be about my father's business. They didn't understand it. All right. So here, here we see a very interesting thing. Jesus calls being in a local church the father's business. Does God have business in the earth? Where does he conduct business? One place, the local church. Jesus made it very clear. I'm not just doing my religious duty. I'm not just being a goody-goody Jewish person. I'm not just doing what my leaders told me to do. This is my heavenly father's business that I am in this place hearing the word. If you don't know this is the father's business, you're an easy pick-off. When the enemy tries to knock you out of the place that God has for you. You got to remember this. this who, who is this here? Who's talking? Oh, just the king of kings and lord of lords, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, resurrection and the life, prince of the kings of the earth, friend who sits closer than a brother, lion of the tribe of Judah, bright and morning star, you know, just the creator of all things. I wonder if what he said is important. There's a business in the earth realm called the Father's business. Now, a lot of people are involved with it, so you might think it's just a man thing. Just because men are involved with it doesn't mean God's not behind it. You have to be wise. You have to see past the physical church. You have to realize God the Father wanted local churches, and he wants us doing business in those churches. So when we leave those four walls, we've actually got some of heaven with us, and we can make a difference in people's lives all around us. There's a lot of business God wants to do in local churches. There's a lot of people he wants to heal, give miracles to, build up, grow up, equip. But because people aren't seeing that it's the Father's business, it's like it's going right over their head. They're not tapping into the, the spiritual reasons why they're supposed to be in church. And so I thought it was interesting. He said it was the Father's business to do what we're doing right now. And also what's very interesting is Joseph and Mary, the mom and dad of Jesus, did not understand that church was the father's business. Well, like many today, or should I say some today, some today don't understand that the local church is actually doing something that the heavenly father wants you to do. This will help you go and stay hooked when you don't feel like it. <laughs> I know you may think like I always feel like doing what I'm doing, my part in the church. There's times I don't always feel like it. There's times I feel like staying home and lying in bed and throwing up, you know. <laughs> I've, I've, I've pressed through those things at times because I knew I'm not going to stop. I'm going I'm to, this doesn't mean you don't rest at times. This doesn't mean there's times you don't stay home and, and recoup, okay. But I'm just saying there's times you're not going to feel like doing the Father's business. But if you know it's the Father's business... It's up by the ears. You can go to church anyway, even though you did stay up to 12 o'clock on Saturday night. And what happens? If we treat it like the Father's business, we'll be able to receive more from the Father 
while we're there. So we've been talking about the Father's business. So, um, and I, I made that statement just a few minutes ago. You know, where's Jesus when you need him? Well, he's in the church in this verse, right? Psalm 20 verse 2 says, Lord, you send help from the sanctuary. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 1 says that John, in a vision, saw Jesus, I mean, decked out. I mean, we're talking sparkling. I mean, gold band around his chest, hair, white, hair, white like wool because the light's so bright. And just, just, I mean, feet like brass in a furnace, just shining. He, he saw him and he fell dead. And he uh, fell as dead at his feet. And the Lord said, come up, I've got some words for you. And he said, I saw him. John said, I saw Jesus, and he was walking in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. The next couple of verses say the seven golden candlesticks interpreted are the seven churches he was addressing in Asia at that time, now Asia Minor. Philadelphia, Laodicea, Smyrna, Thyatira, all these churches. He lists seven, and he has seven specific words for seven specific local churches. What if you weren't in the right church? You didn't get the exact specific tailored word for you. There's some things that God wants to get in us in, through this church. I listen to online preachers. I've got people I listen to, but I listen to what God's saying here more than anything because this is where I live. I mean, Holy Spirit's going to cater things for me right where I live, right here, right now. We need to, and that's why all the archives of all services are free online. You should go back and listen to them later because sometimes your perception's messed with on a Sunday and you're in a lot better receptive mode on a Thursday. So please, Utilize the archives. Get everything the Lord wants you to get. And so, where is Jesus? Well, he's in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. And the churches he was referring to was local churches at that time. And uh, you can find that in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there with me, please. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to get to something today without, after just a tiny bit of review here. In Hebrews chapter 10, I would love to be able to go over everything the Lord's given us in the last seven weeks, but we ain't got time. Unless you do. Unless you do got time. How many want to stay here till 9 o'clock tonight? <laughs> Can I just say a little, a little side commercial here? Uh, there was times Jesus had three-day meetings. And he said, the multitudes have been with me now three days and they have nothing to eat. And so a miracle happened. They all got to eat supernaturally. Plus in those meetings, you know, three-day meetings, the lame were healed. The maimed were healed. Miracles happened. Demons were cast out. The dead were raised. I mean, he said, well, we want all these signs and wonders. How about, how about staying a little longer than an hour in church? I'm not sure one comes without the other. Sometimes you're just going to have to stay in the word long enough so the atmosphere is correct and the power of God can fall. All right, so Hebrews chapter 10, and I want you to notice verse 25, New Testament writing to Christians. Paul, by the Spirit of God, says, don't forsake the assembling, he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So even in Paul's day, some people didn't see that assembling together was the Father's business. 
Joseph and Mary didn't see that assembling together was the Father's business. People in Paul's day didn't uh, see that assembling together was the Father's business. But he says, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as the clock ticks and you get closer to the end. We should be emphasizing more and more church attendance, church assembly, especially as you see the day approaching. Why? Well, for one reason, in the last days, perilous times shall come, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It didn't say the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Lone Ranger Christian. It's a corporate word. Church. Now this is real interesting here because where he says forsake not the assembling, gathering is wonderful and, and in our sense, you know, but assembling is life saving. It's, it's now there's an interaction going back and forth and, and you're actually receiving on a deeper level more things that God has for you. It's amazing when you assemble what happens to your life. People say, well, does the church need help? No, you need to help. God will supply. He's he supplied for us for 34 years. He's, made, he, he's brought help and support and reinforcements. He's done it for 34. Really, the key issue is not the church doesn't need help as much as you need to help in the church. Amen. We're talking about eternal significance here. King David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the mansions of the wicked because he saw the eternal significance of doing something in the Lord's church versus doing something in a, a movie theater. Nothing wrong with that, but it's secular. It's not going to last forever. These things last forever. King David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Jesus was quoted as saying, Father, my love for your house burns in me like a fire. The zeal of your house has consumed me. I thought it was interesting. The Lord didn't say, Father, my love for you burns in me like a fire. No, he said, my love for your house. If you love him, you love his things, and you identify his things, and you want to be involved with his things. And it's amazing what it does for your eternity. People say, well, I don't care about rewards. You say that now. Wait to the, wait to the big banquet in heaven. Everybody starts getting rewarded. Yeah, but pastor, I'm saved by grace. Right, and rewarded by works. Think about that one. Saved by grace, but we're rewarded because we endure. The things we do for the Lord in this life are the only thing we can take with us to the next life. And the kingdom of God comes not with observation. You have to be spiritual enough to realize natural things at times are the Lord's asking you to do something for him. At times, people giving you opportunities is actually the Lord giving you opportunities. And you have to be spiritual enough to realize that or you'll miss God. I have a newsflash. Uh, God works through people. He works through imperfect people. That's all he's got to work with. <laughs> Angels, help me find a perfect person. Oh, there is none. Well, Jesus was, but I guess I got to work with what I got to work with. And he does. Oh, my goodness. He'll clean you up, make you righteous, empower you, make you a blessing. So here, even in this verse, it said that some didn't understand what the church was because they started forsaking the assembling of themselves together. Um, do you realize it's not easy to stay planted in a church when you start seeing imperfections in the people around you? It can be done. Now, you're not going to see any imperfections in me. Well, okay. <laughs> And my wife goes, honey, uh, <laughs> I always, actually, I think I might have pushed the 490 times thing. <laughs> 
Should I forgive my brother seven times? Jesus said, no, 407 times 70. But then Brother Hagen comes on the scene. He meant in one day. And I went, oh, praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. In one day. His verses are new every morning. Um, but it's not easy to stay planted where God wants you when you start to see the imperfections in other people. And one reason it's, 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 a, it's hard to stay planted is because you see yourself in those imperfections. <laughs> You're trying to run from yourself. Um, everybody's got quirks and problems and things they're working on. Um, I thought this was interesting. If you would please turn to Matthew 23, verse 37. Let me just inject this here. Episinago. Episinago. That's a Greek word for a word I'm going to show you right here in Matthew 23, 27. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto... Why did sepulchers... No, that's not it. That's 27. I meant 37. Matthew 23, 37. Jesus is saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets... Stone them which are sent unto you. How often, Jesus said, would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her children under her wings, and you would not. It wasn't God wouldn't. It's people wouldn't. He tried to protect them, but they didn't want it. He tried. It wasn't God. It wasn't God's will not to help. It was their will not to receive the help. Do you understand? A lot, this is, a lot of people need to realize this. It wasn't God wouldn't heal them. It was they wouldn't let him heal them. But the interesting thing about this is the word, it says, I would have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing for protection. The word gather there is the same word, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So one of the things we're hearing in this word is when we assemble together, there's a protection in our life. Like the Lord gathering his, the hen gathering her chicks under her wings. He uses the same, it's the same word in the Greek. And that's why I said it. It's, what did I say? Epiosinago? Epiosinago. That's the word assembling. That's the word gathering. They, they translated it two different ways in the King James, but it's the same Greek word. So really, what we're doing right now is safe. We're the chicks under his wings. And the Lord's wings are just covering us. Just turn to your neighbor and go. Carla goes, what he said. It's a safe, assembling is a safe place. And don't you know the enemy is going to try to get you out of that safe place. You know, I was studying this. One of the most awesome things about being a regular attendee and hooking up with your local church is when you're, when you're hooked up to a local church that believes in the full gospel and the Holy Spirit, this is one main way you live a spirit-filled life. Local church helps you to live a spirit-filled... Maybe not all places that have church on their sign, but churches that are following God, churches that, you know, love the Word and exalt Jesus and believe in the full gospel. When you go to church, you should get filled. But now here's the thing. You're going to have to get yourself filled on Monday. 
And you'll hear things in church, how to get filled on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday because you really don't want to live one day of your life in these last days empty. You know, when the enemy comes around and goes, oh, they got vacancy for depression there. I think, oh, they got vacancy. They're, they're a little weak in that area. Oh, they, how many think it'd be really nice when the devil comes to you, he sees a big no vacancy sign around your neck because you're so filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks to believers and tells believers specifically, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, this is the answer to most people's problems. Because the number one reason believers have problems in their life is because they have room for them. What if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? No room for depression. No room for overwhelming desires to sin. Huh? Being filled is the answer to a lot of people's problems. So, here we go. You ready to get into the rest of this? We're going to talk for the rest of the time today how to get the most out of a church service when you go. Because there's a ton of things people are leaving without that God wants them to have in their life. They haven't, been, they haven't learned how to hone in. They haven't learned how to tap in. They, they, they kind of just waiting for something to come to them. No, we need to go to church with our arm ready to reach out and take some things that the Lord's put in the church. And there are certain things you can do to help you be a better receiver, and there are certain things you can do to make you a terrible receiver. I can show you scriptures where people went to Jesus meetings, and because they didn't know how to get the most out of a church service, they got zero when the person next to them got healed of a paralyzed condition. I can show you scriptures in Jesus church meetings where people came and got nothing and people in the same meeting got total healing and deliverance. You have to learn how to receive. You have to learn how to get the most out of a church service. If we come waiting to see what comes to us, we'll get very little. But if you come in the taking mode and in the seeking mode, no, not just the listening mode, but the seeking mode, you're going to leave with supernatural help that the world can never give you. It can never give you the peace, the joy, the healing, the miracle, the power, the deliverance from demon forces that only God can give you. And all these things are in the church for your taking. 1 Corinthians says God has set in the church miracles, healings, and he lists a few other things in 1 Corinthians. He set them in the church. Why do people come and leave without those things? Maybe they need to know how to get the most out of a church service when they are there. Maybe you need to understand and discern things that will cut you off from receiving from God. Though you've showed up physically, you're not receiving anything from the Lord at all. You're in a geographical location, but you're not in faith. How many think it would be a good idea to know a couple things about how to get the most out of a church meeting? Anybody interested in that? God set all kinds. The Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 2, that help comes from the sanctuary. There's help here, but it doesn't mean you're automatically going to leave with the help. There's a few things you can do to tap into, take hold of. You know, the Bible didn't say, Jesus didn't say, go to church and listen and you'll find. He said it's deeper than that. You seek and you'll find. Listening is waiting for something to come to you. Seeking is you going after something yourself. And he said, if you seek, you'll find. Now, let me give you a little word of caution here. Be careful what you're seeking because you will find it. If you're seeking fault, you'll find it and leave with fault instead of a healing. If you're seeking imperfections, Jesus said, seek and ye shall find. You're going to find imperfections and you're going to leave with imperfections on your mind instead of that miracle you and your baby needed. But if you come seeking Jesus and the perfect one who's behind the scenes and looking to his perfect word and you come seeking healing that he purchased for you, you're, Jesus said, seek and you'll find. It's not up to the preacher what you get today. I have a part to play in it. 
Jesus wanted to do all kinds of great things in one meeting in his hometown. And he could there do no mighty work. Not because he wasn't able, not because he wasn't prayed up, not because he wasn't powerful, not because he wasn't anointed, because the people cut him off. With certain attitudes, disbeliefs. And they left without anything when they could have left with everything. Jesus said to the crowd one day, take heed how you hear. <laughs> so maybe when we leave church, we should go, so uh, how did the hearer do instead of how did the preacher do? We all got a part. How did the hearer do? How'd you do today? Were you ready to receive? Or are you just waiting for something to come? Or are you seeking? Are you seeking? Are you looking? Because if you seek, you'll find. If you seek imperfections in me, guess what you're going to find? What Jesus said, seek and you'll find. You'll find imperfections in me. If I come seeking imperfections in you, guess what I'm going to find? All your imperfections. Guess what I'm going to leave with? A bunch of junk I got to deal with now that's trying to mess up my love walk instead of the healing that I needed. Can I get a witness? So, number one, if you're taking notes, how to get the most out of a church service. Go to church with being equipped to do something in mind. Go to church with this on your mind. Today I'm going to be equipped to do what God wants me to do. Today I'm going to be equipped. I'm not, just, I'm not going to be entertained. I'm going to be equipped. Everybody say equipped. Go to church with being equipped to do something on your mind. Whether you realize it or not, you have something God wants you to do that only you can do. And you can't do it without equipping. And equipping is impossible to get on your own. God designed the system where we have to love each other, sorry. <laughs> we have to hang with each other. God designed the system where we can't get to the end and break the tape at the end of the race without being a part of other people. It just doesn't work. God designed the system that we fellowship one with another that we grow with one another, that we learn with one another, that we hook and serve with one another. He designed it that way. So, here's one thing I want to say about being equipped. Now, I'm saying this now, and, and I realize that a lot of people aren't prepared for this, and that's okay, just because there's other things you can do to, to get equipped. But one of the greatest things about being equipped, here's what I want to say to you. It's not enough to hear from God today, if you forget it 30 minutes from now. What will help you not forget? Hmm? There's something about a notebook. I'm not talking about writing every word I say. Look for nuggets. Look for revelation. Things that stir your inward man. Something that goes, boo. And here, here's the thing I've learned, and I've done this for, for decades. Here's the thing I've learned. You're not going to see any nuggets if you're not expecting any nuggets. A pen and a paper means you're expecting. Or if you've got a tablet or whatever. Uh, uh, getting ready to record something means your antenna's up. 
And when the frequency hits the airwaves, you'll pick it up. But if you're not in the... But see, a lot of people think, well, I don't need equipped. I'm not a pastor. You need equipped as much as I need equipped. You have a ministry as much as I have a ministry. I am not the only one going to be rewarded in this church for doing my part. You're going to be rewarded for doing your part here or outside these four walls. And you need equipped. I could not. I'm going to say this. I could not help you like you need help by just praying and studying on my own. I need to be sitting under the teachers I know God's called me to listen to. I could give you some nice little snacks, but if you want a meal that makes a difference, I better be listening to who God called me to listen to, and you better be listening to who God's called you to listen to, and you better be taking notes because you're going to need equipping from the Lord through certain joints and bands into your life, or you won't get it. I know there's been times in my life, I heard Mark Boyer say this when we were at his church a while back, and it was really because Keith Moore was about ready to step up and preach in his church. And, you know, we have Keith here all the time, too. And um, he said, introducing Brother Keith Moore, he said, you know, Brother Keith, I just want to share this. He shared it with all his, the congregation, 800 people there. So he was just um, telling him, you know, I, I went into fast and pray for a, a week or so to try to get some answers to some questions. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm a full-time minister and a lot of responsibility. I went to the cabin and prayed and, and sought the Lord and prayed and sought the Lord and read my Bible and prayed and sought the Lord and prayed. Day went by, two days went by. I think he said two or three days went by. He said, I got anything. I didn't know it. So he said, I got in the car and went home. He said, on the way home, I put in a Keith Moore CD. He said, I got all my answers in an hour teaching. And here I spent three days trying to get it some other way. If he would have just listened to the ones he's called to listen to, you get your answers. You could spend a whole week fasting and praying and get nothing. And the Lord says, uh, why don't you listen to that sermon I've been dealing with you about listening to? And in one hour, you get everything you needed you couldn't even get in a week of trying on your own. God's real big on fellowship. He's real big on divine connections. He's real big on being where you're supposed to be, hooked with what you're supposed to be hooked with. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that nourishment comes from Jesus to all of us in the church through joints and bands, connections you're supposed to be hooked with, people you're supposed to be close to, people you're supposed to be listening to. You're not going to get all the nourishment from the Lord by yourself. He's designed the system in such a way where we will grow up and learn to love one another one way or the other. We need each other. Amen. You want nourishment from the Lord? You can't get it all by yourself. You have to be getting it from him through joints and bands, talking about people in the church, in the body of Christ, that you're supposed to be around, hooked up with. And it's, it's life-saving. So, everybody say, take good notes. Look for nuggets. Why, Pastor? Because you need equipped. For what? Work of the ministry. Turn to Ephesians 4. Let me show you this. Work of the ministry. You and I need equipped because we have a job to do. And everything God's called you to do is connected to his church. I didn't say it's always in the church, but it's connected to the church. 
A lot of it's in the church, but it all should be connected to the church. We have seen ministers in our 34 years of pastoring, uh, people that um, wanted to minister at our church, people who at times did minister at our church, people that were very, you talk about talented, I mean world-renowned talent, go nowhere because they thought they could do it without the church. They dried up and shriveled like a leaf on a hot tin roof. Their talents were absolutely global, world-changing, but they just Wanted to do it all on their own. I can name a few people right now who would have been absolutely over-the-top, Bible-written-about people with their gifts and talents from God that you never even heard of because they thought they could do it without the church. There's people today with great talents, amazing anointings and abilities on them, and they are trying so hard to make it, and they're just burning out because they're not hooked up with the plan of God for their life in the local church. Church is not supposed to quench your... It's, church is supposed to fire you up and empower you and support you beyond what you could do on your own. There are some people I know in our church. I mean, there was, a, there was some people in our church a while back that they had this calling. They had this, this thing for other countries. And man, I was telling Colorado, let's, let's support this. Let's get behind it. And, and, and they just decided to leave. Had no idea that we were about to help them big time with ministry that we've sensed and saw in their lives. God offended at something. This is years and years ago. And we were ready to write big checks and support and bring teams and everything, wherever, whatever land they were called to go to. It's amazing how the enemy just hates unity. Because mm, he knows as a team, we can win some games. Individually, eesh, just get under the bed and hide. <laughs> So, look for nuggets. Okay, we say, Pastor, what am I called to do? Keep coming to church and you'll find out. Because one of the reasons you're in church is to be equipped. And that also includes knowing what you're equipped for. Ephesians chapter 4, look there in verse 11. Let's read a few verses, maybe like five verses. Ephesians 4, 11. When Jesus rose from the dead, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles... He gave some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Next verse. For the perfecting of the saints. That word means equipping. Uh, actually, it also means, um, I have something else. A preparation, full preparation for the saints. For what? For the work of the ministry. For what? For the edifying of the body of Christ. So stop right here. So these five-fold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are not called to do the work of the ministry. They're called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. God understands. This is not a small mom-and-pop shop on the corner where, every, where the mom-and-pop does everything. God knows if he's going to build this big, great, big, amazing father's business called the church in the earth realm, there's going to have to be a lot of delegation, a lot of equipping. And uh, if all these people did all the doing part, they'd burn out and there'd be nothing. <laughs> Just stay a small mom and pop thing. And if that's what you're called to, great. But God wants to shake the world. So we're going to need some equippers. We're going to need some doers. We're going we're gonna to need managers. We're going to need administrations and governments. And this scripture says he gave these gifts so that we, the church, could be perfected. Put it back up. That we could be perfected or prepared for the work of the ministry. Now, what's the whole goal of this? The building up of the church. See how it's connected to the church? Body of Christ means the church, which is his body. 
Those two words are synonymous in the New Testament. Church and body of Christ. Church, body, same thing. And he said here that you're getting built up so the body of Christ can get stronger. Ask yourself this question. Are my decisions building up the body? Or are my decisions doing the opposite of building up the body? Am I promoting growth and, or am I promoting something else? Amen. Very important because you want to make sure you're part of this, edifying the body of Christ. Next verse. How long, how long are these gifts given? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. God's real big on unity. The devil's real big on division. That we, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's read a couple more verses. That from now on, church, we be no more children, spiritually speaking, tossed to and fro. Instability. All right? Are carried about with every wind of teaching or slight of men or cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Next verse. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted or held together by that which every joint supplies. Say this. I, I am in every joint. And I'm a supplier. According to the effectual work and the measure of every part, he makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. All this is so the body of Christ, the church, can get stronger. So, um, when you, so when you're in church, you say, well, why do I need to write anything down? I'm not a preacher. Do you have anybody in your life that you can influence for Jesus? Do you have any gifts or talents that might help the church? to build it up, to make it strong. Then you need equipped. And one of the best ways to get a lot out of a church service is come with an attitude, I need to be equipped. Because if I'm not equipped, I don't have what I need to give to the people around me. Everybody should be receiving something that they could preach on the spot. Whether it be over a coffee cup, a laundry basket, a baby in this arm, and a baby in this arm, right? Talking to other moms, or everybody needs to be ready to preach. You say, "Well, I, I, I can't preach." Maybe you've never reached out for help in that area. Maybe you've never allowed the Lord to equip you in that area. But I think everybody needs to have an ability to give an answer of the hope that's in them. And, and you need to realize, I, I told you this testimony a couple weeks ago, but when Keith Moore was here the last time, I was sitting on the front row here and kind of distracted about some things. Keith was preaching, and I wasn't receiving a whole lot. I kind of actually thought, Keith, you know, I mean, wow, I thought maybe you'd have something a little more exciting and powerful to preach here, Brother Keith. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking all this. I'm thinking, golly, it's like we get him once a year. Why can't he teach on something really powerful and deep and life-changing? And, and, and the Holy Spirit said, he's doing great. You're doing terrible in listening and hearing. You're not seeking. You're waiting for Brother Keith to bring you some wonderful meal on a silver platter. The Lord said, if you'll get in the expectant mode, this seemingly dry sermon will turn into a life-changing sermon if you change your attitude, not if he changes his sermon. And so I'm sitting there, and I said, Carla, give me a piece of paper. I'm feeling dry. Give me a, something to write with, please. She gives me something to write with. And so I'm sitting here like this, thinking this is a, one of the, you know, th this is a fine message. I mean, the scripture, I love it, but I was expecting like, whoa, you know? And, and, and so I got my pencil, got my piece of paper, and all of a sudden he started preaching better. 
or was it I started hearing better? Was it me getting it? Was it me getting in faith that what he was saying was amazing, but I was missing it because I wasn't my antenna wasn't up. And so I got a, and I started writing things down. I life changing book stuff. I mean, New York Times bestseller stuff is coming to me. I'm writing this stuff down as fast as I can. Like I got to share it with you in 20 minutes from now when he's done. Oh, now it's a whole different deal. Now I'm listening because I got to hear something to share with the people when he's done and pastor gets back up. I better have something to share. So I'm thinking, okay, Lord, give me something for the people. Help me to, to compliment what Brother Moore is saying. Help me to get in the spirit. Are you kidding me? The lights went on. My antenna went up. I'm receiving revelation from the spirit of God. I can almost see angels in the room. It's amazing what happens when you get in the seeking God mode instead of just waiting for something to come to you. I got in the seat, and if you remember, I got up after that meeting. This was just a few months ago. I got up after that meeting, and I said some things that changed our lives. I had people come up to me after. I said, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. I said, I, didn't, I couldn't get that. I'm, I, the Lord manifested that to me because I got in the seeking mode. Some powerful things came forth. What if I would have just sat there and went, well, yeah. Carl says, you want something to write with? No, I don't need to take any notes. The revelation didn't come. Until I got ready for it. And you have to reach out and look beyond what you're feeling if you really want to receive help from the Lord. God responds to faith. That, that's just the way it is. Getting a pen and a paper for me was an act of faith. And faith always precedes really good things showing up in your life. So I got a pen, I got a paper. You say, well, pastor, you're a preacher. I did this before I was a preacher. This is what actually led me to be a preacher. Are you kidding me? I, I thought I was going to be the next rock and roll star of the whole world. <laughs> I had plans to move to Hollywood and New York City and, and die young. Because <laughs> I would have. I would have if I would have went that route. No, I had a lot higher calling than that. I'm the guy in junior high school. It was junior high back then. Now it's middle school. I'm the guy back in junior high school that about died when he had to stand up and give a report in front of the class. I'm sure I turned the brightest red, almost passed out, fainted, played sick on days I had to do that so I wouldn't have to do that. And, and I'm sure the angels were looking down and saying, God, are you sure that's the guy you want to preach? <laughs> God, are you, are you sure that kid right there is the one that's going to be a pastor of a church in Grand Junction? Shake that city! God said, oh yeah. And they go, God, you're a faith God. <laughs> You're a faith God. You have great faith in people when it looks like they just... And he did. And he pulled me out of that bondage, pulled me out of that junk, and made me a preacher. And now I even like my own sermons. I listen to my own sermons. <laughs> let, me, let me share this with you. I looked up a little thing, and we'll close here in a second. I looked up a little thing on the internet from a guy who's done a lot of studying about... And he helps, he helps college students to get the most out of their college classes and to, you know... And I, I thought, well, I wonder if he has anything to say about taking notes. And so this is what he said. He did a lot of research. He said he came up with this finding and all this psychological stuff. And he says, when we write something down, research suggests that as far as our brain is concerned, it's as if we were doing that thing. Writing seems to act as a kind of mini-rehearsal for doing. And when does the word work for you? When you do it. 
and your brain doesn't know the difference. Uh, as far as your brain is concerned, when you write it down, it's as if you're doing it. And he says it's like a mini rehearsal for the actual doing. I mean, God believes in writing things down, the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> he had it written. It is written. It is written. Written is a good process. It is written. Now, I know probably are some people who don't write things down because so, they're committed to getting the archive later and then later they're going to write things down like in their own home when they're more comfortable in their chair. Wouldn't it be nice to have those kind of chairs that little thing flaps over here and you can just write right there? Yes. I've priced them. You want to do a project on it? I'm serious. These are the last days. We need to not just listen. We need to study. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I think Andrew Omak has those in his auditorium. I think it'd be cool to have those little things that just fold over and you could write on. No, no cup holders. <laughs> just a little flat board. And we could take notes a lot easier. But until then, do something to retain what you're hearing. Because if you want to get the most out of a church service, don't wait for it to come to you. You go to it. You expect. God's going to talk. On your way to church, you should get ready for a great church service by saying, I'm going to hear from God today. I'm going to look past man. I'm going to hear from the Spirit of God. I'm, my, my pastor's going to be anointed because I prayed for him. And he's going to speak words. Or she or whoever's up here is going to speak words that I need to hear and my family needs to hear. I'm going to get revelation that sets free. I'm going to get built up. I'm going to rise higher. I'm going to be nourished spiritually. I'm going to be strengthened by the power of God. Only 10 more points to go. Can you handle it? No, I'm kidding. We're, we're done. But let, let me say this before I let you go. Um, some people drift from church because they never learned how to get the most out of a church service. It's not that what they needed wasn't there. It's just they were never taught how to get the most out of a church service. It's real interesting, Joe. I, I, I just think about the woman with the issue of blood. All right, so she, she's got a, a real bad condition. She's hemorrhaging, bleeding to death basically internally and just not doing well. She spent all her money on doctors. This is in the Bible. Nothing better, rather grew worse. She comes and she says, she says, you know what? I heard of Jesus. Oh, good thing. <laughs> as long as you're hearing about the real Jesus. And so she heard about the real Jesus. She realized, okay, Jesus is healing people. He's no respecter of persons. Then I can get healed. So I'm going to get up out of my weakened condition. I'm going to press through a crowd. And if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. And so she presses through this crowd in her weakened condition. She's bleeding to death on the inside. She says, if I just touch his garment, I shall be whole. If I just touch his garment, I shall be whole. If I just touch his garment, I shall be whole. And she gets through all the crowd because the crowd is thronging Jesus. They're pressing in on him. She touches his garment and power goes out of him into her. And immediately she's healed of her plague. And Jesus goes, who touched me? And all these people are thronging him. What does he mean, who touched me? Interesting, all those people didn't know how to get the most out of a church service, but she did. Nobody else got healed except one woman, and he was thronged with sick people and hurting people. They're thronging him. Nobody else knew how to get out of a church service what she knew how to get out of a church service. What's real interesting about that whole story is God did not initiate that healing. She initiated it. 
You can wait for God to initiate your healing, but you might die with a disease while you're waiting because those things are as the Spirit wills. But you and I can initiate our healing anytime we want because it's a family right and it's in the church and it's for our taking. And when you come to church, whether I lay hands on you or not, you can take out of the atmosphere. You know why? Because there's always power here to heal you. The power here to be saved. There's power here to be healed. There's power here to be delivered. And it's up to you to take it. And when you come to church, you need to come with an attitude like the woman with the issue of blood. When I get to church today and I hear the word of God, I shall be whole. When I get to church today, I'm going to hear the word of God. My life's going to be straightened out. How many know a lot of times help comes through correction? Yes. Now, listen, listen. Now, Dr. Lou, you know this. I mean, when people came to you, they came to find out what was wrong and to be corrected physically. Why do we know this in the natural? Why is it okay for somebody to tell you something needs corrected in your body to feel better, but we don't want anybody to talk about correction in our soul? I don't want no correction in my soul. Well, then you can't get healed sometimes. You can't get healed if you don't want correction. Because if there's something wrong and it needs to be corrected, you need to be corrected. <laughs> Can I get away with it? It may not always feel wonderful. Let me just get that. Oh, thank you for hurting me. I feel much better now. Uh, seriously. You something wrong in your body? You want to correct it. If there's something wrong in your soul, you want to correct it. Hmm. One of the main reasons you and I need to go, one of the best ways to get the most out of a church service is go with growing in mind, not just fun. Go with growing in mind. I'm going to church, I'm going to grow up some. Most people's problems would be fixed if they just grow up spiritually. Fear would go away, be easier to receive healing. They could be trusted with more increase. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 